today uh, we're gonna be looking at another supernatural event that takes place in and around the beginning of the Great Tribulation and this comes out of Revelation chapter 11 the two witnesses I'm gonna be reading to you Revelation 11 verses 1 to 14 out of the Amplified Version and then we will get into this pretty interesting passage of scripture well they're all interesting as we get into these next couple of passages of scripture regarding end times because what you're looking at is quite a few supernatural events of magnitude that is astronomical for example the first one we looked at was the king abaddon coming out of the great abyss with his army to inflict a five-month torture tour around the world on those who are not marked with the, the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we saw this massive angel coming down announcing that time's up for the devil and, 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 and his minions and the Lord is going to return. And now you see appearing in Jerusalem these two witnesses that have such a powerful ministry it, 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 it will take you back to uh, examples of the prophets of old way back when. So let's read it. Verse 1. Then there was given to me a measuring rod like a staff. And someone said, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar of incense and the court and those who worship in it. But leave out the court of the Gentiles which is outside the temple and do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles, the nations. And they will trample the holy city for 42 months. That's three and a half years. Verse 3. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses. And they will prophesy for 1260 days. 42 months. That's three and a half years again. Dressed in sackcloth. These witnesses are the two olive trees. And the two lampstands which stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them. Fire comes out of their mouth and devours the enemies so if anyone wants to harm them he must be killed in this way verse 6 these two witnesses have the power from God to shut up the sky so that no rain will fall during the days of their prophesying regarding judgment and salvation and they have power over the waters seas rivers to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wished when they had finished their testimony and given their evidence, the beast that comes out of the abyss, the bottomless pit, will wage war with them and overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie exposed in the open street of the great city Jerusalem, which is a, in a spiritual sense is called Sodom and Gomorrah, where also the Lord was crucified. Verse 9. Those from the peoples and the tribes and languages and nations look at their dead bodies for three and a half years and will not, be, and, and will not allow their, their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. And those non-believers who live on the earth will gloat over them and rejoice and they will send gifts in celebration to one another because the two prophets tormented and troubled those who lived on the earth. But after three and a half days, the breath of life from God came into them and they stood on their feet and great fear and panic fell on those who were watching them. And the witnesses and the, and the two witnesses heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. Then they ascended into heaven in a cloud and the enemies watched them. Verse 13. And in that very hour, there was a great earthquake. And a tenth of the city fell and was destroyed. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake. And the rest who survived were overcome with terror. And they glorified the God of heaven as they recognized his awesome power. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. That's an interesting passage of scripture. Now, I have given you again and you can download it again the podcast and uh, the podcast what am i talking about it's not a podcast <laughs> slides i beg your pardon of the abbreviated version of the grid in that i've got matthew mark luke and revelation 
down the first column as you can see if you if you download the the, 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 the slide and the grid but what we're going to be focusing on just very briefly here is the abomination of desolation column the sort of mustardy column so what we have is we have the first trumpet wormwood the first four trumpets and that's wormwood so we're going through the first pass so we so we I think it's a five-month countdown to entering the second pass of wormwood which are the bowls and in between the two you've got the abomination of desolation you've got the start of the great tribulation and what happens at the start of the great tribulation is you've got these massive universal I would say second heaven first heaven even third heaven massive events taking place that will literally rock the planet spiritually even physically so you've got the first woe which is the fifth trumpet that opens up so the the, the, the angel comes down key unlocks the abyss and King Abaddon comes out and he now then leads an army and he starts a five-month period so we've got first pass of wormwood second pass of wormwood we've got midway in between and midway in between now Abaddon comes out which is the start of the Great Tribulation and starts a five-month campaign to the second woe where the four angels get gets released and they lead a demonic army four angels out of the Euphrates that are bound there they lead a demonic army and they come down now and start to kill people and that lasts all the way through to when the witnesses that we've read about here get resurrected and go up to heaven and that would be the beginning of the third woe which is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ so their campaign I would reckon goes on all the way through to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ going back to the middle of the seven years chapter 10 we've got this angel announcer he comes down and he basically says time's up the Lord is coming and now we're going to deal with chapter 11 uh, 1260 days of judgment as preached by the two witnesses now let's just reread verses 1 to 3 then there will be given then there was given to me a measuring rod like a staff and someone said rise and measure the temple of God and the altar of incense and the court those and, and count those who worship in it but leave out the court of the Gentiles which is outside the temple and do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles the nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months three and a half years verse 3 and I will grant authority to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 12 of 1260 days that is 42 months that is three and a half years dressed in sackcloth so John now records this revelation dealing with the two witnesses and he starts to tell us what their ministries are and how important their ministries are to the great tribulation now in verses 1 to 3 it seems to be that there is another little parenthetical passage within chapter 10 and it's a little bit of a tricky verse to interpret and there are many many different explanations so verse 1 John is told by someone to rise up he gets given a measuring rod and he's told to rise up and go and measure aspects of the temple verse 1 then there was given to me a measuring rod like a staff and someone said rise and measure the temple of God and the altar of incense and count those who worship in it so this is the first revelation he gets given after he gets commanded to eat the scroll he gets given a measuring rod and he gets given instructions probably of the impending judgment to come so these instructions might come from the angel of the previous chapter there is a prophetic symbolic act that God gives many many of his prophets to do with regards to what will take place in, his, in, in the physical to his people let me just give you a couple of examples of this from the Old Testament Isaiah chapter 22 to 5 
at that time the Lord spoke through Isaiah the son of Amos. So he's so God is speaking to Isaiah, and now God tells Isaiah to do something physical that has a prophetic symbolic act of what God is going to do in judgment to the nation. And this is what God says: Go untie the sackcloth from your hips and take the sandals off your feet. And he did so, walking around stripped to his loincloth and barefoot. Verse 3, and the Lord says, Even as my servant Isaiah has walked stripped and barefoot for three years as a sign and forewarning concerning Israel and Cush, in the same way the king of Assyria will lead away the Egyptian captives and the Cushite exiles, young and old, stripped and barefoot, even with their buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt. Verse 5, then they will be dismayed and ashamed because of the because Cush their hope and Egypt their boast. So, a physical act has a prophetic symbolic meaning of coming judgment. God says this to Ezekiel in chapter twelve, verse one to seventeen. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but you can go and read it and think about it. Verse two. Oh, well, let me read verse 1. The word of the Lord also came to me saying, Son of man, you live amongst a rebellious house, who have eyes to see but do not see, who have ears to hear but do not hear, for they are a rebellious people. Verse 3. Therefore, son of man, prepare your belongings for exile and move into exile during the day when they will see you. Even go into exile from your place to another place as they watch. Perhaps they will understand, even though they are a rebellious people. Bring your provisions uh, and supplies out during the day as they watch, as provisions and supplies for going into exile. Then you shall go out in the evening as they watch, as those going into exile. Dig through the wall as they watch, and go out through the wall, through the hole. As they look on, load the, pressure, the provisions and supplies on your shoulder and carry it out in the dark, you shall cover your face so that they cannot see the land. For I have set you a sign to the house as a sign to the house of Israel. There again, Zechariah chapter 2, 1 to 5. And I looked up and saw a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, What are you where where are you going? And he said to me, To measure Jerusalem to see how wide it is and how long it is. And behold, the angel who was speaking with me was going out, and another angel was coming out to meet him. And he said to the second angel, Run. Speak to that young man, saying, Jerusalem will be inhabited like villages without walls, spreading out in open country because of great, the great number of people and livestock in it. For I, declares the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, protecting her from her enemies, and I will be the glory in her midst. The act of measuring has a number of possible um, interpretations. I'm going to give, give you a couple here. Uh, it probably signifies that the, the, the temple sections that get measured are God's possession or it signifies that a person can carefully measure their property. And you read that in 2 Samuel chapter 8 verse 2 Ezekiel 40 uh, verse 3 all the way to chapter 42 verse 20. But sometimes it's also a measure of judgment coming. Uh, 2 Kings 21.13, Isaiah 28.17, Lamentations 2.8, Amos 7, etc. So the temple here refers to the holy place and the holy of holies, excluding the court of the Gentiles. Now, my thinking with regards to this is that I think that this is the third temple that the Jews will build in Jerusalem that is still yet to be built. It's 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 the it's the uh, tribulation temple, the third temple. Now, it will either be built just before or just after the start of the seven-year period. And I, personally, I think it's going to be part and parcel of the peace treaty between the Antichrist and Israel that triggers off the seven-year period of judgment um, that is coming on the world. That's Daniel's 70th week. We read about that in Daniel. We've gone through that in Daniel. We see it in Matthew chapter 24 as well and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
so this is the third this is the temple that now is going to be measured um, identifying the worshippers but also excluding the section that, that, that belongs to the Gentile nations um, when Jesus returns at the second coming now I'm not going to go into this at this point in time but he is going to build I believe a millennium millennial temple his temple that will re, that will replace this temple and you can possibly read that in Ezekiel chapter 40 the measuring and counting of the worshipers probably signify that God is setting them apart to save them because you've got to remember that the message of the witnesses is to preach judgment and salvation Verse 2, leave out the court of the Gentiles which is outside the temple and do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentile nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months, three and a half years. Leave out, Greek ekbalo, cast out, a removal from divine favor. We read that same word being used by Jesus in the parables, Matthew 22, where he tells the tenant, tie them hand and foot and throw them into outer darkness. Um, the court outside the temple is the court of the Gentiles and this is the area of the temple that Gentiles had access to in Herod's temple in the first century so it laid outside of the court where, where only the, the Jews could come in now it looks like the tribulation temple will probably have a similar system a similar pattern um, to that second temple that, that, that Herod built way back when. Now the nations of the Gentiles are specifically identified here as being hostile, unbelieving Gentiles. And these Gentiles are going to oppress Jerusalem, the earthly Jerusalem, for 42 months, three and a half years. So let's just look at that 42 months here. You can place this chapter, I believe, chapter 11, and the events that are described in chapter 11, midway into the seven years. Now, in verse 2 and in verse 3, which describes the witnesses, these events, you can see, you can actually tie them to the mid of the seven years, the middle of the seven years, and the start of the three and a half years, the Great Tribulation. So the 42 months are the last half of the seven year period of Daniel. And since this will be the time when the Gentiles' hostility towards the Jews will probably be the highest it's ever been in history, we can see why the Lord says that it's going to be trampled under their feet. In Daniel chapter 9 verse 27, we read this passage of scripture. Verse 27, And he will enter into a binding and irrevocable covenant with the many for one week, seven years. But in the middle of the week he will stop the sacrifice and grain offering for the remaining three and one half years. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate even until the complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the one who causes the horror so we'll get into the antichrist coming and we'll look at that passage of scripture obviously again but what is going to happen here is that the gentiles are going to dominate the outer court of the temple and the rest of jerusalem for 42 months i would say they're going to probably do something horrific with regards to the image of the beast in the temple, probably in the Holy of Holies as well. And that's where the covenant is going to break between the Antichrist and the Jewish nation. And that's where things are going to go into the Great Tribulation period and things are going to get really, really bad for the Jews. And if the rapture has not taken place, for the church as well during from this period onwards as well and we've seen what jesus said about this period we've seen what the other apostles have said and now we are starting to look at events that are going to trigger 
this period of time off. So we're looking at the Great Tribulation. Now very briefly, I want to take you back to three points that I gave, terms that I used previously and um, wanted to teach you about. Now the, the, the terms are the times of the Gentiles. Just got to get this into your head and understand this so that when these things come up, you, you, you know what we're talking about. So the times of the Gentiles have reference to the domination of the Gentiles over the Jewish nation. Nebuchadnezzar, from Nebuchadnezzar, will, the times of the Gentiles will last until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we have here is an announcement of the ending of the time of the Gentiles. The time of the Gentiles are coming into its final years. And at this particular point in time, you're looking at three and a half years. So from Nebuchadnezzar to the second coming, the times of the Gentiles. The next term we had is the fullness of the Gentiles. And that is dealing with the age of the church, I believe, or, 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 or the, the calling out and completion of the church. So you've got Nebuchadnezzar to the first resurrection of the dead, which is the rapture. Now, we've got various different opinions on where the rapture is. You know what mine is. Mine is a post-tribulation rapture. I really hope that the pre-guys are right. I don't believe you are. We've got a mid-tribulation guys that could possibly write. We've got pre-wrath guys that could possibly write. And I'm going to throw my own little spanner in the works at a later stage as we get into looking at the death and resurrection of these two witnesses later on in this passage of scripture. I'm not saying when this rapture is going to take place. I honestly don't know. I've got those opinions out there. I've got my hopes and wishes, but I'm preparing for a post-tribulation rapture. The third point that we're going to be looking at is the fullness of times. And that basically ends at the White Throne Judgment. And we'll talk about the White Throne Judgment later on. Let's move on to verse 3 to 6, the ministry of the two witnesses. Now, even though believing Jews will suffer persecution at this time, God is still going to get his message out. And these two witnesses will be incredibly significant at this period of time. I'm going to go and talk it, uh, to you about it a little bit later on as we begin to discuss who these witnesses are. Now, valid testimony requires two witnesses according to the Old Testament. Um, Jesus sent his guys out in, 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 in groups, in pairs, in ministry. So you need two witnesses. And God is going to send two witnesses to stand against the message of the devil and the Antichrist all the way through the reign of the Antichrist. There will be a message of the gospel of the kingdom being preached by these two witnesses. So let's look at verse 3. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days. 42 months or three and a half years dressed in sackcloth now God does not reveal the identity of the witnesses but that has not stopped people from trying to identify the two witnesses so I'm going to give you a couple of different um, people that they could be and then I'm going to give you my preference now as I said before you hold these things loosely in your hand but whether or not it's this person or that person it makes no difference what makes a difference is their message and what they do during this three and a half years especially for those people in and around Jerusalem at that point in time the effect of these guys ministries I think will probably have a global effect around the world we'll talk about that later but in terms of knowing that they're there and how they operate I think unless you are in the restricted areas of the Antichrist you're not going to hear about them. That's my personal opinion. But anyway, let's speculate. I enjoy a, good, a bit of speculation now and then. Some people think that these, are, these two are Moses and Elijah. Um, they both performed similar miracles. 
um, and uh, people witnessed what they did and they represent the law and the prophets so these representations go forth and people think oh they're coming coming before the antichrist representing the law and the prophets what you've done and how you've broken the law and the prophets what god is going to do and the time that god you've got left i'm just saying that could be who they are the next two is who i actually think that could be um whether they're right, whether I'm right or wrong, is it, it doesn't make any difference. It's just I just like, as I said, like to speculate now and then, like to think about these things now and then. Enoch and Elijah. Now here are my reasons. Both men went to heaven without dying. Enoch walked with God, and then he was with God. Elijah went up in that chariot. Um, there are a couple of other reasons why we look at Enoch and Elijah. Um, Elijah, because of the scripture in Malachi 4 verse 5 says this, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. So Elijah always seems to have a connection as a messenger just before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, in Matthew 11, Jesus said concerning John the Baptist that if you accepted his ministry, you're accepting the ministry of Elijah. Listen to this. And if you're willing to accept it, John himself is the fulfillment of Elijah as the messenger who was to come before the kingdom. So God sends a messenger before he comes. And so John the Baptist was that messenger and now Elijah could possibly be one of those messengers coming again. Um, let's go back to the 42 months and then I'm going to be talking a little bit about, uh, well let me, let me talk to you about Enoch at, at this point in time. The reason why I think Enoch is going to be represented here is because Enoch was alive during the days of Noah. And that was where the devil launched his attack to change the DNA. The angels came down and they bred with women and they had giants as children. And we went into that period of time where they just wrecked havoc upon the earth, upon people. And God eventually came down and said, enough's enough. And only eight people survived the great flood at that period of time. And so Enoch was a witness of these events and then he was taken he's going to come back now and the lord attributes the time coming to the same as that of the days of noah what took place in the days of noah is going to be repeated again in one form or another physically on earth and so God is now bringing a representative from those days to these days. And he is now saying, okay, now you've got this representative here. He's going to preach and teach you and tell you what you did then and remind you of what you did and all the evil that you did. And now he's going to preach this to you and he's going to tell you your doom. And so for 42 months, these two witnesses are going to testify against what the devil is doing, against what the Antichrist is doing, against the mark of the beast, against the false prophet, against Babylon. Everything that they tried to do, Genesis 6, prior to Genesis 6, they're going to testify to. That's my, my thoughts on the matter. So their ministry is going to last for 1,260 days. In Daniel chapter 12 verse 11, we've got the figure of 1,290 days. Verse 11, from this time that the regular sacrifice, that is the daily burnt offering, is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, ruining the temple for worship of the true God, there will be 1,290 days. And so they're, they're, they're 30 days short, they're about a month short. Now this could be 
um, this 30 days as I've shared with you could be the time that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to clean, clean up everything and the judgment is going to take place and the ushering into the millennium reign uh, I don't know but you've got this 30 day period where things get a couple of things get sorted out and so their ministry is 42 months 1260 days so from their appearance all the way through in the tribulation you got a countdown of their ministry 1260 days will take place and we're in sackcloth biblically speaking is um, judgments coming and people need to be in a in a point in a mode of repentance and so Jesus is coming judgment is coming you need to repent and that will be their message both uh, in their dress in their fashion and in their words as well and in what they do verse 4 these witnesses are the two olive branches and the two lampstands which stand before the Lord of the earth and so the witnesses probably resemble Zerubbabel and Joshua who sought to restore Israel at the previous exile um, Zechariah 4 2 he said to me what do you see and I said I see and behold the lampstand all of gold with his bowl full of oil for oil on the top of it and its seven lamps on which seven spouts belonging to each lamp which are on the top of it verse 3 and there are two olive trees by it one on the right side and of the bowl and the other on the left side supplying it continually with oil and then in chapter 4 verse 11 to 14 then I said to him who is speaking to me what are these two olive trees on the right side of the lampstand on the left and a second time I said to him what are these two olive branches which are besides the two golden pups by which the golden oil is emptied verse 13 and he said and he answered me do you not know what these are and I said no my lord then he said these are the two sons of fresh oil Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel the prince of Judah who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth as his anointed ones so it could be that one of the lampstands in the Zechariah passage there's one lampstand in the Zechariah passage but the two here are representing one of each of the witnesses here. Could be. Uh, the, 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 in terms of trying to interpret and see what this passage of scripture is. What you've got to understand also about what I think this passage of scripture is. Is that the, these two witnesses are going to be Holy Spirit empowered. Full of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, they're going to be bearers of light in the darkest moments and period of time of human history. Where Satan, Antichrist, false prophet and Babylon and their minions have unrestricted control of planet earth. Verse 5. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire comes out of their mouth and devours the, devours the enemies so that anyone who wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. So these witnesses are able to protect themselves by calling down fire on the enemies to anyone who wants to harm them. Now Elijah had this ministry. You can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 1 verse 10 to 14. So what you're probably going to see here, I think, is that there will be a number of different types of attacks against these two men. One, there will be an orchestrated uh, antichrist governmental attack against these guys. Assassination attempts on and on continually throughout the 42 months that they are ministering. Secondly, you're also going to have these crazed attacks where you're going to have people that are going to be so inflamed by hatred, by the enemy, by, by anger. You know, you got to remember these guys have been tormented by f for five months, and and these two witnesses are going to be standing, telling them why they've been tormenting, been tormented. They're going to be telling them the gods that you serve, the gods that you sacrifice your children to, the gods that you're doing unspeakable horrors in the name of. These gods are the ones that are doing this, and the the hatred is just going to inflame them. And so you're going to have these lone wolf attacks coming against them as well. 
and you're going to have like like the passage of scripture in 2 Kings 1 10 to 14 both governmental and as I said the the lone wolf attacks coming in where these men will defend themselves with some form of weapon that just obliterates them as they attempt to attack these witnesses verse 6 these two witnesses have the power from God to shut up the sky so that no rain will fall during the days of their prophesying regarding judgments and salvation so you can remember their prophesying regarding judgment and salvation so they're going to be continually pushing the judgment coming on them you got the angel in chapter 10 telling them time's up and now you got these two witnesses coming in and telling the people time's up judgment is coming Jesus is coming and then you've got salvation um, and you can see that in their in their ministry you're going to have a lot of people there that still have not had received the mark of the beast in and around that vicinity probably and 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 later on you'll read at the death and resurrection of these two men many people after the earthquake are going to repent and you're going to see in the coming of the Lord a lot of the Jews at that point in time are going to repent the veil is going to fall off their eyes and they will repent and recognize who Jesus actually is so let's look at what they're able to do now it seems to me that um, in addition to having fire come down and destroy people that are directly attacking them to kill them assassinate them they also have the ability to create worldwide drought and plagues now whether these will go locally out uh, as they begin prophesying because remember previously the 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 uh, the um john was told to go and preach to nations peoples and languages these guys could be going through the list of nations i'm speculating now telling them you've done this you've done this this is your sin of the nation this is your sin of the nation you have not repented you were told you did not repent so and so came this prophet came that prophet came that evangelist you had that revival in your nation and now judgment will come and you will not have rain for three and a half years and you will have the plagues coming from the lack of rain you will have you know they will issue plagues out um, God will empower these two to do the same miracles that Elijah and Moses were able to perform during their ministries now the length of their ministries will be the same as the drought that God sent during Elijah's day so it is also for the same purpose the drought was sent for the same purpose to punish people from the of their sins and to lead them to repentance now you also got to remember that there's going to be a number of people that will survive unmarked by the beast but unrepentant at the time of the Lord's return. So what happens to them? We can speculate, we can talk about it, and we'll do that later on as we get to those passages. But I'm just putting this in your head there with regards to the effect of the ministry of judgment and salvation that these two guys are going to be preaching and the release of drought and plague on the various nations during this last three and a half years and so you're going to have a lot more people dying as well now remember they're going to be preaching through the last section or through the five month plagues of the first woe they're going to be preaching during the second woe and i think the second woe will take uh, will will probably last the duration of their ministry because in verse 11 we see that the second row now ends and the third row begins which is the return of the Lord Jesus and then you've got the, the, the bold judgments which the earth goes through again now it's interesting that these two witnesses will be able to exercise their power whenever they want unlike Moses who could only exercise power under specific command the lord specifically told him go and say this and this is going to happen but these two guys 
basically are um, released to do whatever they want within the parameters of their commission. Now this will be the fifth time in history when God has empowered a few people with an extraordinary level of power that produces spectacular signs and wonders. The first period was during the time of Moses and Joshua. The second period was during the time of Elijah and Elisha. The third period was during the time of Daniel and his three friends. And the fourth period was during the time of Jesus Christ and his apostles on earth. In understanding end time studies, remember looking through a Hebraic worldview, when they looked at prophecy, it was cyclic. It was always cycling towards a major event. If you're looking at the miracles that I explained to you, you can see that during Moses and Joshua, I've referred to those period of times as pictures of what could possibly happen during the end times. I've referred to Daniel. I've referred to Elijah and Elisha. Same things were happening then are going to give you a picture of what's going to happen during this period of time. And so you can basically build up a visual picture of what is going to happen physically during the period of time when these two witnesses are fulfilling their 42-month ministry on the planet, on planet Earth. Now let's move on. Verses 7 to 10. The death of these two witnesses. Verse 7. When they had finished their testimony and given their evidence, the beast that comes up out of the abyss, the bottomless pit, will wage war with them and overcome them and kill them. Okay, so their, their, their ministry is 42 months, 1260 days. And they will be given, it's, it's interesting the words they use here, their evidence. So their ministry is judgment and salvation. And, and they will be giving evidence with regards to what it is. And this is another reason why I think it's Elijah and Eli, Enoch. Because they are giving evidence of what the nations had done. And God's judgment and righteous judgment on the nations. And why the judgment of Jesus is now coming. And why the people on the earth now are going to be judged why the nations on the earth now are going to be judged and once their evidence against the nations has finished then an assassination attempt by the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit takes place and they are killed so they will not die prematurely. They will not die before their job is done. But their job is going to be 42 months. Another interesting fact is that this is the first of 40, uh, 36, I beg your pardon, 36 references to the beast now in Revelation. Chapter 7 verse 21 of Daniel says this. As I kept looking, the horn was making war with the saints and overpowering them. Antichrist, as I will show you later on in this passage, these verses, this verse here describes him coming out of the abyss, his origin out of the abyss, the abode or the inter intermediate abode of Satan, where, or not of Satan, of satanic demons and fallen angels that are kept there by God prior to their final judgment at the white throne. It's a very interesting passage of scripture. We'll, we'll talk about it later on when we go into the Antichrist. Verse 8. And their bodies will lie exposed in the open street of the great city Jerusalem, which is a, in a spiritual sense called by the symbolic and allegorical names of Sodom and Gomorrah, where also their, their Lord was crucified. So this is physical Jerusalem. Their ministry is located in physical Jerusalem. As opposed to, I think, the 144,000, which is in greater Israel and possibly the world as well. But their one is specifically in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem has now been attributed to Sodom and Egypt, not Sodom and Gomorrah, I beg your pardon. Sodom and Egypt. And um, you can probably link all the worship of ancient Egypt, 
all the practices of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, all the practices of the pre-Adamite, uh, the pre-Adamite, the pre no, the, the pre-flood world of the fallen angels has all now manifest in Jerusalem. Remember, one of the things that the devil does is he wants to defile everything that God has created. And so the practices in Jerusalem at this, at this point in time are going to be, that, that the worship is going to be that of the Egyptian worship, which is Satan worship, New World Order worship, Illuminati worship, Freemason, Freemasonry worship, uh, all, all combined into this one world religion that you will see being pushed towards it and the center of it I think is going to be in Jerusalem and in the temple where the image of the beast is going to be I feel and then the practices is going to be the practices of that of Sodom and Gomorrah and as I said of the pre-flood world so the beast now adds insult to injury by not allowing the corpses of these two witnesses to be buried a very very um, disrespectful thing to perpetrate on on people and this is what the, the enemy is going to going to do now it's interesting it's interesting here that that um, and I want to I want to build to this in, in terms of the next two verses verses 9 and verses 10 I want to build to this because from the beginning of their ministry now we've 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 worked through the 42 months of their ministry and now we're at the 42nd month of their ministry we literally within I would say 30 to 40 days of the Lord coming we literally within 30 to 40 days of the battle of Armageddon now you will see at the beginning of the tribulation period the great tribulation period and we'll talk about it in later passages of scripture that when the antichrist assumes his throne and all these systems are taking place demon spirits will go out and draw the kings of the nations and their armies together they will now start preparing for revelation 1919 the battle against jesus christ now all these things are happening these guys preaching they're preaching and 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 can you you can imagine the preaching combined with the pain of the first demons out of the abyss about the death rate of the second demons out from the euphrates river uh the the plagues that have been taken on the fire coming down from heaven the um the uh, second wormwood pass and the effects of all of that taking place on planet earth during these three and a half years i would say that the the morale of the average mark of the beast man in the street is not going to be very very high all right just this is my thinking so now let's go into verse 9 and verse 10 those from peoples and tribes and languages and nations look at their dead bodies for three and a half years and will not be and will not allow their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb verse 10 and those non-believers who live on the earth will gloat over them and rejoice and they will send gifts in celebration to one another because the two prophets tormented and troubled those who live on the earth so so people are going to see their bodies people are going to see the event of their death people are going to see the success of the beast as he overcomes these two all right now this is going to encourage them in terms of their breakaway civilization that they want to create. They, 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 however, however this is sold to them, uh, uh, an alien interplanetary civil war is taking place. And here you've got two scouts from the enemy. The enemy is coming to invade. We can't touch them. And suddenly now we can touch them. I'm talking on behalf of those people who have the mark of the beast, the enemy, the, who follow Satan, who are involved with Babylon, who are Babylonians. And now all these people are, 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 are now suddenly encouraged because they have their victory. They have a first victory in all the horrific things that are taking place on the earth. And all of this will probably in propaganda be blamed on Jesus Christ 
who is coming, who is going to be invading earth. And so from their point of view, from their perspective, they have their first victory. And the celebrations begin. There's a chance for them now. The two witnesses are dead. Our leader has killed them. The, 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 you know, the, 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 um, the two witnesses of the enemy, Jesus. We've defeated them. And now we have a chance to establish a breakaway civilization. We have, we have encouragement for the battle that's coming. And so they're going to celebrate this. However it's sold to them, whether it's sold in terms of a biblical worldview perspective or whether it's sold to them with regards to a galactic alien civil, uh, interplanetary civil war perspective, I don't know how it's going to get sold to them. But they are going to be encouraged at this point in time. They're going to be enthused at this point in time. They're going to start heading in towards Revelation 19.19 with great encouragement. Unfortunately, this is their last celebration. This is Babylon's last celebration. This is Antichrist's last gasp. This is Satan's last attempt, second last attempt. Because he's going to have one at the end of the uh, millennium reign. But then something happens. Unfortunately, I think for these guys, the normalcy bias is going to kick in. Because as I've said in quite a few of the sermons, no matter what falls on these people, no matter what you say to these people, they still continue to double down on serving God, on casting their lot in with Satan. Although some people will not, as you will see later on. Verse 11, but after three and a half days, the breath of life from God came into them and they stood on their feet and great fear and panic fell on those who were watching. So with the broadcast going out, it will probably be received in the enclaves of the devil of, of, the, of the Agenda 21 cities. And the celebrations are going to be taking place and you're going to have 24-hour news podcasts. And if, you, and if you're looking at, at mainstream media news today and you can see how they basically harp on something, whether it's true or whether it's false, whether it's a, a, a lie or whatever, they're going to harp on this 24 hours a day. You're going to have the pictures being thrown up. You're going to have the death moment of death where the, the beast actually kills them, being thrown up continuously and you're going to have a 24-hour live camera on probably in a little section of the screen somewhere and suddenly bang these guys stand up that's going to terrify them it's going to terrify them these god haters have done their best to silence the enemies of God. I wonder if they are going to start to sense in the core of their being that they've been lied to. The ones that are unmarked, I think, will probably have a chance maybe I'm I, I, I as I said I'm not sure because you know things are now starting to get a little bit um, murky with regards to salvation but the people that are mocked with the mark of the beast great fear is going to come upon them unfortunately they're going to have to double down because for them that mark is irreversible they are marked, they are set, they cannot change, they cannot change their sight. Verse 12, And the two witnesses heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here, and they, then they ascended into heaven in a cloud, and the enemies watched them. So we have a resurrection event here. We have a resurrection event here. Cloud refers to the shot, probably refers to the same kind of cloud that Jesus ascended to heaven in. 
probably the same kind of cloud that Elijah ascended in. And now I'm going to throw something out to you. It's just thinking. It's just speculation. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just thinking about it. This could be the moment of a post-trib rapture. Could be. It could be. Okay, there's no trumpet sound. There's no loud shout. But there is a voice, a loud voice from heaven calling them. A voice from heaven calling them. There is a cloud. They are raised and sent up to heaven. It is prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just saying. It could be. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I'm just, it's just the way I think when I read these things. Verse 13, And in that very hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell and was destroyed. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest who survived were overcome with terror, and they glorified the God of heaven as they recognized His power. Okay, now we do know that there is a group of Jews, a not a group of Jews, a, a, a number of Jews, a number of Israelites that are going to begin to recognize who Jesus is at this point in time. Remember, it's the end of the age, we're coming to the end of the age of the church here at this point in time. We are now, I would say, moments away from the return of the Lord Jesus Christ when this event takes place. So we have a 7,000 death toll in Jerusalem probably a lot of the revelers taking place celebrating at this point in time are going to be killed and terror is going to seize them um, so you're looking at about maybe 10% of the population of Jerusalem 7,000 people and a lot of people now are going to start to recognize Jesus remember Jesus this period of time is turning his people back towards him bringing them back towards him and then in verse 14 we have a transition verse now okay so we're going back to the woes so it refers to the end of the second woe that we read about the second woe are the four angels with their demonic cavalry that have the power to inflict death upon people that are not do, do not carry the mark of God on them so the people that the mark of the beast I would say on them and this to me ties the two judgments here so you got the the first woe five months you got the second woe that begins five months afterwards and that carries on all the way through I would say to this particular point in time here and you have the third woe now being announced which is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ now remember the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ a lot of people are going to die a lot of people are going to be judged a lot of angels are going to be judged at this point in time this is, for, for the enemy this is not a good time that's why it is a woe and so you've got the ministry of these guys ending prior to the beginning of the third world and that's that's what I think it's going to look like so we've now mentioned three events that are going to start the great tribulation or happen in and around the start of the great tribulation King Apollyon is released by that big angel with the key to the abyss and his army comes out and inflicts five months of pain. A mighty angel descends with a small scroll announcing God's mysteries and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we have the appearing of two witnesses of God with really powerful supernatural ministries coming out to give evidence judgment and salvation and evidence of what God is going to do on the earth during this period of time. And now we're going to be starting to go in. This, this is what happens at the beginning if you look, at, look back onto your 
slides. Let me just get back into my notes here. <clears throat> you have your fifth trumpet, first woe, chapter 10, angel announcer, chapter 11, your two witnesses. Your first trumpet goes in last five months. Your angel announcer just announces it. And your witnesses ministry goes in and lasts 42 months in. Sixth trumpet, second woe takes place five months after the first trumpet, in my estimation. And in the middle of those of that, you've got the bold judgments taking place and the effects of the bold judgments going all the way through to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your second woe, sixth trumpet, ends when the resurrection of the two witnesses take place prior to the third woe, which is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it for now. Um, talk to you again later. Have a great day. God bless.